You are listening to Daily Devotions with Pastor Robert Marsbach. We believe that these devotions will encourage and strengthen you. So tune in, connect, and be blessed. For any more information, please visit us online at lifechurchuk.org. Welcome to Life Devotions. Thank you for joining me today. Man of Sorrows is the title of this devotion. The word sorrow is also the same word as pain. So you could say man of pain, because that word sorrow there reflects the word pain. You know, when somebody has sorrow, they have pain, pain in their soul, pain in their, in their, in their being. You know, sorrow, somebody has tremendous sorrow because a loved one has passed away and they feel pain. So it's important that you can just get this little thought that what I want to talk to you about today is how Jesus is the man of sorrows and sympathizes and empathizes with your sorrows, with your pain. I mean, there's been people that have had such horrific pain in their souls that they have given way to the lying whispers of Satan. Why don't you go ahead and make an end of it? It'd be better for everybody if you're not here anymore. Why don't you kill yourself? You see, that whisper you would have never given way to. You would have always known the law of God that says you shall not kill. So the moment that thought would come to you from the devil, you would immediately resist it because you know the law of God that says thou shalt not kill. So you would have, you would have said, no, I will not sin against God, but take my own life. That's not right. There's, that's not right. But when you have so much pain and so much sorrow, you could be tempted to do such thing. And what do I do, Pastor? What do I do if I'm in such pain that I constantly feel I don't want to live anymore? I don't want to live anymore. You know, I know that sometimes, sadly, religion can make people think in a way that isn't totally Jesus. As in, when anybody would have these painful feelings, I don't want to live anymore, they immediately can respond harshly to them, but I, I don't see that in Jesus. And I don't personally believe that. I know that when our daughter Gabriella passed away, my dear wife was in such pain of soul that she wanted to go to heaven. She wanted to go to heaven because she knew that's where Gabriella was and the pain of not having her was so overwhelming to her at that moment that she wanted to go to heaven. But what I'm talking to you about came to us consistently and constantly in such an amazing way. And that was the man of sorrows who can empathize, sympathize with our pain. So let me read to you here from Isaiah chapter 53. I'll just start at verse 1. Who has believed our report, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of dry ground. He has no form of comeliness, and when we see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. 
he is despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows, the title of this devotion. And acquainted with grief. The word sorrow is the word pain and grief is the word sicknesses. A man of pain and acquainted with sicknesses, with infirmities, with liabilities to the assaults of temptation. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteem him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one of us his own way, but the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before it shears his silence, so he opened not his mouth. Wow. You see, it's so important to realize that you have somebody that you can go to when you have pain that you don't know what to do with, when you feel the pain of guilt. You see, guilt and shame are two different things. Guilt is something you have before God. Shame is something you have because of defilement. Shame is because you feel dirty, you feel exposed, and you feel embarrassed, and you feel ashamed because of defilement. Guilt is something that you feel between you and God, that you've done wrong in His sight. And I'm so grateful that Jesus took the guilt that was ours upon Himself when He was innocent. And He bore the shame, it says in Hebrews 12. He bore the shame that was due us so He can do more than sympathize. He can come and heal you. He can come and give you a refuge you don't deserve. He can give you comfort that you cannot find anywhere. And you know, dear friends, when I look at the condition of the world at the moment, I do get concerned because there's a lot of pain but there's not the kind of sympathy that the world is looking for and needs. There's a lot of expression of wrath and malice, and, and people can become very destructive in their pain because they must not know where to go to find help with all those cropped up feelings of disappointment and injustice and cropped up feelings of, of hurt and anger. And I really believe if there's ever a message that the Lord Jesus wants to remind his church of, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity and the chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes were healed. He was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Jesus Christ does more than just sympathizes. 
Yes, he comes to become one with you in your hurt because I find when people are exposed for their failings, we don't always know what to do with it. We're afraid of social media's hostile, harsh, cruel, and often by people who themselves need just as much mercy as anybody. But often the cruel and harsh rhetoric that is used against people that are found out to have failed. And yes, I agree with you. I agree. Some of that failure is terribly offensive and terribly wrong. But that is exactly what Jesus says come to deal with. And yes, there can be horrific consequences, but at the same time, there is an amazing compassionate, wonderful Savior who's standing with his nail prints hands open to you. And he says to you, all that you are weary, all of you that are weary and heavy laden with your failures, all of you that don't know where to go from, from all the harsh accusation, the harsh rhetoric of condemnation, come, come to my bosom where I bore the stripes, come come to the cleansing flood that washes you white as snow. Come to the mercies that never fail, the grace that is always sufficient to make you new so that you don't have to repeat the same failures and become a victim of your own shortcomings, but that you can become more than a conqueror through my love, more than a conqueror through my mercies, and so that others can look at you and see what I can do for them. You know, the Apostle Paul says this in the most amazing way. I, I love these thoughts, folks. I want to be a man of mercy and not judgment. I want to be a man of grace and not condemnation because I myself am what I am by His loving grace. And yes, I may not have made the mistakes some others have made, but that doesn't make me better than them because we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all deserve damnation, but are all given grace through Jesus. Paul says, I'm so thankful to the Lord Jesus for choosing me and giving me the strength to be faithful to him, even though I used to scoff at him and even hunted down his people, trying to harm them in any way I could. But God had mercy on me because I, I didn't know what I was doing then because I didn't know Jesus in me then. Oh, how kind the Lord is and showed me how to trust him and become full of his love. It is true, and I want everyone to know it, that Jesus came into the world to save sinners because I was the greatest sinner of them all. But God had mercy on me so that Jesus could use me as an example, what he could do for even the worst of sinners, that they too can realize that the love and forgiveness and mercy they see in me is available to them too. You know, just because we have such harsh rhetoric in the world today and anger doesn't mean that that saving grace of Jesus has diminished and is less available than ever. Think about it. What greater sin, what greater evil than what they did to Jesus who was holy and blameless and went about doing good, healing all how they so brutally, brutally destroyed him. 
crowned his head with thorns and beat on it with sticks and spit upon him and pulled out the beard of his face and plowed his back mercilessly as they tore the flesh off his body and wounded him and bruised him and brutally nailed him to an old rocket cross on the hill far away and mocked him in his suffering and mocked him in his suffering and divided his clothes among them as they gambled for it and gave him bitter wine to drink for his thirst instead of fresh water. How they mocked him and laughed at him. Come on, folks. Come on, think about it. Whenever you're faced with somebody's cruel, evil, sinful way that is so grievous and so upsetting and hurtful, look to the cross of Calvary and look what they did to the Savior while he cried out, Father, Father, forgive them. You know, today, that is the spirit we need. That is the grace we need. We need the man of sorrows. We need him in our hearts, in our ways for others. It was essential that Jesus Christ be made like us in every, or, every way so that he might become a merciful and sympathetic high priest in everything relating to God, to make atonement a propitiation for our sins. For because he himself in his humanity suffered by being tempted, tested and tried, he is able immediately to run to the cry, assist and relief of those who are being tempted and are therefore subject and exposed to suffering. We do not have a high priest, therefore, who is unable to understand and sympathize and have a shared feeling with our weaknesses, infirmities, and liabilities to the assaults of temptation, but one who was tempted in every respect as we are, yet without sinning. So let us then fearly, fearlessly and confidently and boldly draw near to his throne of grace, the grace of God's unmerited favor to us sinners, that we may receive mercy for our failures and find grace to help in good time for every need appropriate help and well-timed help coming just when we need it. I plead with you today that the man of sorrows is not just there to help you, but to live through you for those who don't know where to go for help who think all hope is lost for them, whose soul has so horrifically stumbled, who are so buried in shame that they think, well, it's all over for me. There's no hope. I know this hope. Oh, I am so grateful that I have tasted and seen the goodness of the Lord, not just for myself, but for many, many precious souls who were hopelessly lost in their failures and suffered terrible consequences because of their wrong actions and wrong choices and often persistent failures and would not let go. And God with much force had to bring them out of their failures, but yet for many years could not learn this amazing grace. Oh, how I long to wrap my arms around these precious souls and say, I know this Redeemer that you have need of. He lives in me and he's here for you. 
You know, that is the point, folks. Let me close with you from Luke chapter 7. The church becomes weak when it doesn't know the man of sorrows. And it's unable to help the world and help even our own, to help our own brothers and sisters when they suffer with the terrible consequences of sin. Because it's not just the sinner that sins, but the saint can sin. In 1 John chapter 1, it says that if you and me as children of God have sinned, we have an advocate with the Father. And if we confess our sins to the Father, through Jesus, He is faithful and just not only to forgive us, but to cleanse us. Will God forgive somebody who's not His child and grant them not only forgiveness, but access to His heart to become His children? Absolutely. Will He do <coughs> will He do will He not do much more for His own children who stumble and fall? Absolutely. And I know, I know, I know, I know. I know some of you say, yeah, but Pastor Robert, I mean, come on now, this is really bad. That's why I said to you, look what they did to Jesus. I mean, you talk about God being just. If Jesus didn't bear it all, God could have come down on that city of Jerusalem and destroyed every person living there for how they treated his son. But his wrath was satisfied in that Jesus bore it all. Jesus made it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but Jesus, he washed me white as snow. You see, we may never forget that gospel in living experience. So let me read you something here. A Pharisee in Luke chapter 7, verse 36, asked Jesus to come and eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down with him. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table of the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil. And she stood at his feet behind him weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself. This is what he was thinking, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman is who's touching him, for she is a sinner. You see his attitude? You see? He was indignant, offended, irritated with that woman because she was an ugly sinner. And I'll tell you the truth. I've been an ugly sinner, but Jesus loved me. And here I am to share his love with you. And I share his love with you because his love never fails. His love never grows old. His love is always sufficient to reach the most horrific lost sinners. And Simon didn't know it. Simon didn't know it. And Jesus said to Simon, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he said, teacher, say it. He said, there was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. A denarii is a day's wage. So one owed him 
500 days work and the other owed them 50 days work. Big difference. And when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Now tell me, Simon, which of them will love him more? And Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And he said to him, you have rightly judged, Simon. Then he turned to the woman and he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since, I, since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore I say to you, Simon, her sins, yes, I agree with Simon, they are many, but are forgiven, for she's loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. And those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is he who forgives sin? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Simon, listen closely in closing, did not know the man of sorrows. He'd never experienced that sympathizing love of Jesus to comfort him in his own failings and weaknesses. So the love that he had for Jesus was almost non-existent, but not just for Jesus, but for the woman who obviously needed it. He had nothing for her. He couldn't help her. He couldn't reach out to her. He couldn't give her hope. He didn't know what to do. He kept the distance from her because she's a sinner. He didn't have any power to reach her. But Jesus is the man of sorrows and he has the power to reach you and me when we have stumbled in the most horrific way and anything and everything is against us. And he says, I'm here for you because I gave my life for you. And he wants to do more for you than to just love you in your failings. He wants to fill your heart with that love so that you can love as He loves and forgives as He forgives. Now, the church today needs to know this more than ever. Amen. Have a good day.